Come on, good morning, Chapel, Richmond. Love you guys. Let's give it up for the men and women in the jail. Love you guys. You're awesome. You're awesome. You're awesome. Hey, you can high five somebody and you can be seated. Well, what a great day. Glad to have you here. Uh, I'm gonna. We're launching a brand new series. I'll tell you about that in just a second. But want to look in the back of the room and say good morning to the chapel in Scott's edition. Love you guys. Love all God did last weekend at uh, at our downtown location. Amazing, amazing. And of course, love what God's doing in the life of people in the men and women in Chesterfield County Jail in Harp. We love you guys. It's a joy to be able to stream in every weekend and uh, have you worship with us. How's everybody feeling today? Good. Glad to have you here. And um, we're, we're starting a brand new series called By Your Spirit. And I'll tell you about that in just a second. But um, I just want to give a huge thank you to all the people. Easter weekend, you know, we had 10, uh, 10 Easter services last weekend and had hundreds of people serving on teams. And, and to all the people who serve on chapel teams, we're so thankful for you. I know a bunch of our kids team did multiple services and uh, so, so thankful to you. And then uh, to those of you that are faithful in your giving in the chapel, I just want you to know what a difference it is making. Last weekend uh, exceeded any of our expectations of what God would do. And we, uh, if you're new here, we always do this Easter survey. And one of the questions we have is we give people an opportunity to commit their life to Jesus Christ. And I would love to just bring you a report. And, and let me give you a little context for this. Uh, a month ago, our staff decided to pray the biggest prayer we could pray. And that was that we would see 200 people make decisions to follow Jesus on Easter. So that was our prayer. And I, I thought, man, we're saying it out loud. And like we may be you know, disappointed if that doesn't happen. And so I just want to reveal to you that the, the, something that only God could do. And, uh, and so last weekend, this is really remarkable. I want you to see this. Uh, 400, I, I mean, 477 people. Come on, four, come on, somebody. Let's give God praise. Come on, Scott's edition. Let's give you praise, God. I can hardly believe that. I mean, uh, it was beyond anything we could imagine. And uh, somebody said, how does it feel to be pastoring at the chapel right now? And I said, I feel like a kite caught in a hurricane. You know what I mean? Like uh, just God's, how many know only God can do what God can do? And uh, it's not about people or music or teams or leaders. It's about Jesus Christ making his gospel known. And I just want to say to those of you that have invested, committed, you serve, you, you give, you're part of next. I want you to know that what you're doing is making a difference because literally people are changing the trajectory of their life because of your partnership. And so we honor you today. We're thankful for you. Honestly, blown away and don't even know what to say about it except um, isn't our God good, right? And, uh, you know, there are moments that you have to just pause and say, we just got to take it in the faithfulness of God, you know. In fact, I, I told our team this past week, and then I'm, I wasn't planning on saying this, but 11 years ago, it'll be 11 years that we moved to Richmond. And in the last year, I, I had a 20 or 30 year dream for our church. And in the last year, we passed my 30 year dream for our church. So I don't even know what next, I don't know what next. <laughs> I mean, I dreamed maybe God would do this, but I thought I'd be an older man by then. And, uh, and so how many know God is going to work for his name's sake? And I'm telling you, our, our city needs it. Our community needs it. Everywhere you drive in Scott's Edition, everywhere you drive in Midlothian, I don't know who all the people are moving into all these condos. But hey, friends, we still have work to do. Until Somebody said, is the church getting too big? I want you to know this. As long as there are so many people that don't know Jesus Christ, the church is not too big, right? We, we connect in small groups, but how many know Jesus still wants to do something in our community? Anybody believe that today? And so we're a part of that. 
part of that uh, incredible thing. And uh, just, just like you heard in those announcements, next weekend, so excited, baptisms, going to be amazing. And then so many new people, too, um, are new. And, you know, when I'm new to some place, to a church, I imagine it could feel overwhelming and disconnected and haven't met anybody. And so that's what Growth Track, like you heard our team say, that's what Growth Track is next week. It's a chance for us to get to connect with you. And so we'll provide everything, lunch, childcare, all that. But we'd love to just meet you, answer your questions, share a little bit about what God's doing in the life of our church and hear your story. We're so honored that you're here. Join us. You can sign up online and after uh, the, sec- uh, the, the, the afternoon, what, uh, second service in Scott's edition, third here, we, we have growth track next weekend. And so we feed you, we take care of childcare. So some of you just an hour without your kids, you're up for it. And uh, so uh, we can't wait to connect with new people. Well, well, we're in a series that we're launching today called By Your Spirit. And, um, and I wanna say a couple things about that. But you know, when I think about uh, um, Easter, and I think about Good Friday, I think about Jesus' death and his resurrection, right? And that's what we've kind of been camping out in, preaching the gospel. And, but now, now my mind is kind of shifting to what happened after Jesus was resurrected. You know, there were 50 days that Jesus appeared to people, and he was trying to convince his people of something. In fact, on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came, and the word Pentecost just means 50, okay? Five zero, uh, penta five. 50, and it was 50 days that Jesus went everywhere just trying to convince his followers how much they needed his presence and power. In fact, let me show you it. The Bible says Jesus opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. And he told them this is what was written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. That's what we celebrated last week. How many know Jesus is still alive the Sunday after Easter? That's pretty good news. And... uh, And he said, I'm preaching a message of repentance for the forgiveness of sins that's going to be preached to all the nations beginning here in Jerusalem. So so we're thankful for that. We rejoice in 477 people who made decisions. I can't even believe we're saying that number for Jesus. But but then Jesus told us, now that your sins are settled and your future is, is, is secure, you still need the strength of God to live. How many know it's one thing to have your sins forgiven? It's another thing to live out this thing called life, right? And so Jesus said, well, I'm making, uh, I'm, I've made not only arrangements to forgive your sins, I've also made arrangements to, to empower you to live this life. And so he tells him, I'm going to send you what my father promised to you. And I want you to stay in the city, and I love these words, until you've been clothed with power from on high. Until you've been what? Clothed with power from on high. And so that is Jesus' command to us to wait, to not just rush past Easter and get busy with our summer, but to pause and to say, God, now you've given me your Holy Spirit. And so we're going to talk this weekend about a brand new series. And I, I think it's a can't miss series. The next three, four weeks, we'll have baptisms, Mother's Day. I'm telling you, but, we're, but the whole series by your spirit is, is God's design to enable us to be the, you know, to the, the husband, the wife, the mother, the leader, the business person, the student, to live out this thing called faith. We need God's strength. And I want to give you the theme verse of the series. It's from a little minor prophet. And the Bible says, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. It's not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit. Come on, let's say this out loud together. It's not by might, nor by power, but by my 
fear. So this is, this is God's prescription for our lives. Not our might, not our ability, not our power, not our intellect. Not, I don't, I'm, it's not that I'm good enough, smart enough, I can make it happen. No, no, no. It's that we need God. In fact, let me just start the series this way. Here's why we seek God. We seek God because we need God. I wonder this weekend if there's any people that need God in this room. I wonder in Scott's edition, any people that need God. Anybody need God, right? And that's what this series says, that God has something for us. And so we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. And we always do this in growth track, but I thought it'd be fun to participate together and just give me an idea of where we come from. Because when I know when you say the Holy Spirit, some people are like, get your purse, honey. We need to get out of here, you know. And, uh, and, and I get that. I get that there's been some extremes and even some confusion over who the Holy Spirit is. I understand a father. I understand Jesus, the son. Not sure about this Holy Spirit. In fact, maybe you grew up with the King James Version. It didn't even call him Holy Spirit. Come on, it called him Holy Ghost. Who are you going to call? You know, Ghostbuster. I mean, like, it is, it's just, I mean, like, what is that? I don't want that. And, and, and it's going to be overwhelming. So I just thought we'd take a survey. And some of you will raise your hands for a couple different groups. We do this in Growth Track. But it kind of lets me know. We'll play along Scott's edition online. Write it in the comment line. I'm going to list a couple different denominations or, or, uh, of the Christian faith. And you raise your hand if you've ever been one of those, okay? And some of you are going to raise your hand a few times, okay? <laughs> I know your story. So come on, Scott's Edition, online, play along. That's all of us. Just write it in, even in the comment line. Uh, come on, uh, where are the Presbyterians? You've ever been Presbyterian? Raise your hand. Amazing, yeah. Uh, Anglican Episcopals. Any Anglican Episcopals? Awesome. Um, Baptists. Where am I Baptist at? Like, get an amen. And... Uh, uh, Methodists, where are the Methodists here today? Okay, Methodists, uh, Pentecostal, Charismatic, raise both hands. And uh, uh, it's my favorite, never gets old. And uh, Roman Catholic, come on, where are the Roman Catholic? How many of you never, do you say I didn't even grow up in church? Come on, non denominational. I think, am I missing any? Uh, I, Lutheran, come on, Lutheran, that's right. Missouri Synod? No, I'm just kidding. The only three of us would know what that means. And, uh, uh, but you know, <laughs> I just realized, man, all of us come to church from this, like all of us. Some people ask me, what denomination is the chapel? I always tell them it's interdenominational. There's like, what's that? I'm like, there's a lot of us from a lot of places. And we're trying to keep Jesus the main thing and not fight about the little things. That's another sermon series, but that'd be really good. Write that down. We should do that. And, uh, but somebody gave me this. And so I hope to offend everyone with this joke. And uh, somebody gave me light bulb jokes, okay? And, I, and, I, and I, so I know this is going to offend somebody, but that's, that's okay. Uh, how many think we need to lighten up a little bit in the world? All right, let me know after these, okay? How many Baptists does it take to change a light bulb? Change? Who said anything about change? Good. How many charismatics does it take to change a light bulb? Only one. Their hands are already in the air, okay? How many Pentecostals does it take to change a light bulb? Ten. One to change a light bulb and nine to bind the spirit of darkness. <laughs> How many Catholics does it take to change a light bulb? None. They use candles. <laughs> How many Episcopalians does it take to change a light bulb? Ten. One to change it and nine to sit around and talk about how good the old one was. <laughs> How many Church of Christ does it take to change a light bulb? None, because light bulbs aren't mentioned in the New Testament, and therefore it's unscriptural. Is that okay? 
I have one more. I don't even know why I included this one. I just thought it was funny. How many chiropractors does it take you six? A light bulb. Just one, but it's going to take you six visits. That's so good. Okay, that's so good. I had a few more. They're inappropriate. I'll be sharing those at 4.30. But you know, I mean, we come from all different backgrounds, don't we? And all of us have different ideas. In fact, one of my goals in this series, I think, I think one of the reasons people don't interact with the Holy Spirit is they have the wrong idea of who he is. So one of my dreams over this series is just to remove barriers, okay? To remove barriers. I want to let you know nothing weird is going to happen over the next month. And, but we are going to explore that God has more for us. And some of us have built a wall in our lives and we're, we're comfortable interacting with the Father and we're comfortable interacting with the Son, but this Holy Spirit, we don't understand. Maybe we've been a part of an extreme or we have a misunderstanding or it's just harder to comprehend or the church just hasn't talked about it. And I think this is what the enemy attempts to do, either to neglect the teaching of the Holy Spirit or to, to cause an, uh, an exaggeration or a wrong teaching or kind of some kind of tangent of the Holy Spirit to make the rest of us go, no thanks, I don't need any of that. And, and I, somebody called the Holy Spirit the forgotten God, you know, because we forget about who he is. And, and in fact, I, I think we tend to avoid, we tend to avoid what we're afraid of or what we don't understand. And so I'm going to spend the next couple of weeks, I think, it's a, I think it's a don't miss series. You can't miss any of the weeks. They're, they all build on each other. But I hope to just open our hearts to a sense of who is God, the Holy Spirit, and what does God have for us, and be open to what the Lord has for us. Anybody open to what the Lord has for us, right? Maybe you have some obstacles, questions about it. What kind of church is this? Just hang in there, okay? Would you give me three weeks? Would you give me three weeks? And if you still disagree with me, then you can be wrong. But okay, here we go. <laughs> well, this, this verse that's our theme, it's not by might or by power, but by your spirit is is in uh, this little minor prophet called Zechariah. It's, it's one of those little books in the Bible that when somebody says to turn to it, you miss it a few times. You're like, Zephaniah, Zechariah, where is it? You know, it's right before Matthew. And, and chapter four is, let, let me show you a picture of how God speaks to his people and I'll explain it. God, um, literally speaking, what do you see in the prophet answers? I see a solid gold lampstand with a bowl at the top and seven lamps on it with seven channels to the lamps. This is, what sets up the verse. And there were two olive trees on each side of the lampstand, one on the right of the bowl and the other on its left. And I asked the angel who talked with me, what are these, my Lord? And he answered, do you not know what these are? I answered, no, my Lord, I replied. So he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. It's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. And so Here's what's happening here. The, the minor prophet is using an image that the people of God in Jerusalem would understand, a lampstand, okay, with seven, with seven flames on it. This would have been a common item of worship in the temple and the tabernacle. And, and he's saying that this lampstand is supposed to, to, to burn. <laughs> Candles are made to burn, you know? And, uh, and, and he's literally saying this lampstand is supposed to burn. But yet on each side of the lampstand are these olive trees that supply the oil that is the fuel that, that will light these, um, the, these lamps. In fact, I kind of found a picture that I think paint this picture. So there's this lamp stand in the middle and then on each side of these olive trees that, that supply the oil to the lamp stand for it to burn. This is a prophetic picture or metaphor of us, okay? In the Bible, it says that we are to be the light of the world. How many know that's true, right? 
How many believe we're called to shine a light, right? And, and, and this is, in fact, in Revelation chapter 1 and 2, it, it calls the early church a lampstand. That's, that's what the churches were called, the seven churches in uh, Revelation, a lampstand. And so we're called to shine a light, but yet we're dependent upon these, this picture of these olive trees. We're dependent on the fuel to shine to come on the outside of us, right? And to fill us. And this is what Zechariah is teaching us, that, that in order to shine bright, in order to do what God's called us to do, in order to live out the life that God has for us, we need fuel and energy that comes not from within us, but from outside of us. And so I have, a, I have kind of a, a tough message this weekend. You're not good enough. You're not strong enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not strong. I'm not smart. We need strength that comes from the outside of us, right? And that's what this is doing. It's reminding us that, you know, a wick is only as, as effective as the, as the fuel source that's connected to it. I mean, a wick will go out in one second. And so it has to be rooted into something. And this is what the prophet's trying to remind us, friends, that in order to shine bright and live out this life that God has for us, we have to be connected to another source. And I really believe that if we understood who the Holy Spirit was, you wouldn't run from him, you'd run to him, Okay. And here's my goal over the next three weeks to take a few skeptics and inch us towards the person of the Holy Spirit because he has come to be our friend. He has come to be the one who empowers us. He has come to be the one who lives on the inside of us. And we can't do this thing without the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay. In fact, sometimes people will say to me, I love the chapel, but I don't know about the Holy Spirit part of the chapel. And I'll say, well, what do you love about the chapel? And they'll say, well, it's so life-giving and energetic and worshipful, but I don't like the Holy Spirit part of it. And I'll say to them, well, what you like is the Holy Spirit. You just don't know that's what it is. Let me let you in on a clue. It ain't the songs, and it ain't the song leaders, and it ain't the preacher. It's a church that says we are open to the presence of God living on the inside of us. We're just trying to create a culture where God is invited, where we, we make some space for, the, for heaven to touch earth. And I'm telling you, we live in a world that needs more than programs and slick branding. We need the power of God in the people of God. I'm telling you, the emotional needs of our world, the brokenness of our schools, our community, the violence, the chaos. I'm telling you, we need God. We really do. And here's what this is. We have a wrong view of him, and he's come to give us Strength. It's us standing, just leaning into, looking upon, trusting in him. So we're going to remove barriers in this series. Here's the second thing we're going to do in this series is we're just going to request strength, okay? I just had a sense in my heart that there's a lot of tired people right now. There's people tired of politics. Hmm. And tired of, of brokenness. And tired of emotional strains and tired of all that's happened in our world. And everything bad is on the way up. And we need a people that request strength of God. And here's what I actually think happens. I think God lets us sometimes run to the end of ourselves to remind us that we need more than ourselves to fix ourselves. <laughs> we need the strength of God, you know. And so, and so I'm going to encourage you this weekend along the way that we're going to request strength and and let me say this, because there are a couple of confusing elements about the Holy Spirit. We believe that you get filled with the Holy Spirit when you become a Christian. Okay, that's important. Because some Christians believe you can get saved and not get the Holy Spirit. I don't even think you can get to Jesus without the Holy Spirit tapping you on the shoulder. Okay, 
Like, we wouldn't even want the Lord. So we get filled with the Holy Spirit. But then there's this calling to be filled, baptized over and over again, like a sponge, you know, cleaning off a chalkboard. You got to once in a while dip it in the water again. How many know just because you met the Lord one time doesn't mean you have all of him? How many know we need to daily rely upon him, right? Be filled. Continue. Literally, here's what I'm saying is that all that we have is not all that God has. Hey, chapel, this is my prayer for us that we, we have not tasted all he has for us. And that we would say, God, all that we have, we're thankful for it, but it's not all that you have. So we're gonna be continually filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. We're gonna be a church that, that, that gets under your supply and trusts in you for what you have for us, right? More strength for our marriages, more strength to live out our life, more strength to lead our businesses, more strength to be a, a, a patient and kind and, gentle and a witness in the world, more strength that comes from the Lord, okay? And so we're gonna, we're gonna look to him for strength. And we're gonna be reminded that all that we have is not all that God has. One of the things that annoys my wife the most about me, the, one of the many, is, uh, is I never like to get gas till I have to get gas. In fact, her and I have a disagreement on what the low fuel light is. To her, it's a signal to get gas. To me, it's a promise that I got 30 or 40 more miles. I go, that's great. It just came on, you know. So I thought I'd take a poll, okay. Where are the people that you, you don't like getting low in the gas tank? Come on, raise your hand. Okay, that's a lot. I don't feel comfortable now. Where are my people? Come on. You, come on, yeah. Here's how I know it's getting bad. When I think to myself, well, most of my drive is downhill, Okay. That's when you know you let, you're like, don't it, can we run the AC? No, uh we, we, we can't be doing anything like that. We gotta just hit the gas. Like, I'm a, I see the light, I slow it down. I can't even come to a full brake because I'm afraid I can't accelerate, you know? And I'm just convinced a lot of us are living that way, okay? We're running on fumes when God has a supply for us, okay? And that's what Zechariah chapter uh, four is all about. God comes to a people that are tired and they need strength. Let me show you a few of the verses that are in the context. I know this by your spirit verse is famous. Let me show you a few around it. They first of all need strength because they, because here's why they need strength because they feel overwhelmed, okay? So let me tell you what's happening in Zechariah four. The people of God have returned from Babylonian captivity. You remember in 586 uh, BC, the, the uh, Babylonians defeated Judah, took the Daniel, you remember Jeremiah, took them into captivity. For 70 years, they were in exile. And then a small group of people returned, 50,000 Jews, to Jerusalem. And it was there that they were going to rebuild the temple and rebuild the walls. And, and the people feel overwhelmed because they got this job of rebuilding Solomon's temple. I mean, Solomon's epic temple was unlike anything in the ancient world. 150,000 workers worked on constructing the, uh, Solomon's temple. It had 3,000 foremen, and it had the unlimited purse of, of Solomon, unlimited treasury to pour into it. And now this small group of ragtag Jews is back to rebuild the temple, and they don't have the workers, and they don't have the foremen, and they don't have the money and to be honest, it's not going that well. And they feel overwhelmed. They feel insignificant. In fact, they feel like what they're doing is too small. And God gives them a word. I think this is for some of us as well this weekend because we feel insignificant. Here it is. He says, who dares despise the day of small things? Let me just say this today. God starts things small. And that doesn't mean that, that he won't do something big. We have to learn to trust God with small things, right? 
How many know small steps, how many know uh, small tweaks lead to giant peaks, right? There's something about just trusting God. And the people say, well, we, we don't see it like the big temple of Solomon. And God's literally saying to them, who would despise? Some of you are just saying, no, I've only taken a small step and a little, little step and a little. No, no, no. How many know God works through small steps, right? And he tells them, don't you dare despise the days of small beginnings. Because the eyes, the seven eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth. That scares you, seven eyes. It just means in the ancient world that God sees everything. Seven, the number of perfection. I grew up with a mom who had seven eyes. Come on. See it all, you know. It turns out she just had friends at church, other moms who told on me. I thought she got it all from prayer, but no. Just a bunch of ladies telling each other what on us, you know. But I'm here to tell you the seven eyes of the Lord are not to bring destruction. It actually says until they lay the capstone, meaning until they finish the temple. Literally what it's saying is God is looking out for you. Don't you feel discouraged at the smallness, the startness, the littleness of this whole process? God is working. In fact, the people are so overwhelmed that they literally describe it as a great mountain. Oh, a great mountain. We'll never get this fixed. We're tired. We're overwhelmed. The job's too big. Our resources are too small. And even what we've done doesn't seem very impressive. But God literally says in that moment... When the obstacle's too big, your talent's too small, and things are little, if you have the Lord, you can know it's not by might nor by power. Come on, somebody, but by my spirit, says the Lord, right? It's a, it's a picture of, of, of even the obstacles around us and the challenges around us and the difficulties around us. God coming in and God giving grace and God giving strength and God giving hope. In fact, I think it's really true in our lives that God lets us get tired, doesn't he? And he lets us get weary and he lets us so that we can realize that the power is of him and not of ourselves. In fact, Paul says in Corinthians, he was facing this big challenging situation, a thorn in his flesh, which we're not totally sure what that is. But he prayed three times that God would take it away from him. And then God said, no, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. Did you know that God sometimes can't help people who are too strong? He's got to wait for us to recognize our own weakness. How many know God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble, right? And that's what he's saying in Zechariah chapter 4. You might feel overwhelmed. You might feel like there are obstacles all around you. You might feel uncertain of the future around you. No, no, no. But it's by his spirit. In fact, God comes along and actually gives them this promise. We can feel the obstacles around us, the mountains. He gives them this promise. There are, these are the two who were anointed to serve the Lord of, look at this phrase, of all the earth. This is the last verse of Zechariah 4. Here's what he's telling the people. They're back in their promised land and they don't know if they're going to win a victory. And God's saying to them, God is not only going to show himself faithful in Jerusalem, he eventually is going to rule over all the earth, right? How many know in the end, God wins? <laughs> How many know in the end, he shows himself strong, and faithful and steady and, and certain, and, and in all of this, here's what he's saying. That the, listen, the Lord is going to be the Lord of all the earth. The Lord is going to be the Lord of what? Of all the earth. And it's a promise to people who are tired, weary, and struggling, and uncertain that he's going to show himself strong. So here's what I want us to do in this series over the next three weeks is I want us to come to church real. Can we come to church real? I know, I know, I'm too, you know, you ask somebody, how you doing? I'm too blessed to be stressed. You know what I mean? Like, no, no, no. Could we just come to church real? In fact, what if we started real today? Anybody tired? Come on. Somebody, anybody, anybody have prom last night? I had prom last night. 
I mean, my daughter did. I didn't go, but uh, I mean, like, uh, anybody, anybody, anybody need the strength? Anybody weird? Anybody? Here's the point. Sometimes we come together and we pretend to have it all together. Zechariah is telling a people who lay it all out. They're trying to do something great, but they're in a moment of weariness, fatigue, uncertainty, not sure of how it's going to happen. He says, in the moment where you feel insecure and overwhelmed and insignificant and like your task is too, too, uh, uh, too big and your resources are too small, the, the Lord is going to work. He literally is saying to them, this is the word of the Lord right in the middle of all of that. It's not going to get done by your might and it's not going to get done by your power. It's only going to get done by God's what? By God's spirit, says the Lord Almighty. So let me give you two definitions and I'm going to pray for us today. In fact, the word Holy Spirit is sometimes hard to translate for translators. In fact, that's why the King James Version calls him the Holy what? We said earlier, the Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit. How do you translate this? And the Hebrew word is actually ruach. Ruach. It kind of sounds like you have popcorn stuck in your throat. Okay. Come on, say it with me, Ruach. Ruach. That's good, yeah. And then the, the, the Greek word is pneuma. Come on, say it with me, pneuma. Pneuma, it's actually where we get the word with the P on the front, pneumonia, okay? Translators say this word spirit could be translated a current of air, a blast of breath, a strong breeze. But we know this throughout scripture that it often refers to God's work in terms of wind, right? In fact, the Bible says in 2 Timothy 3, all scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, training, correcting, and righteousness that the people of God might be thoroughly equipped. So the idea is when God wrote the Bible, God almost breathed out his word, right? In fact, when God, you remember in Genesis, when he's creating humanity, remember? The Bible literally says he takes clay and forms it together, right? And then when he's got the, the shape of humanity, what does he do to bring life to it? He, the Bible literally says God breathes into, uh, into humanity breath. And what goes from clay comes alive. How many know whatever God breathes on comes alive, right? That's his picture in the New Testament of a current of air, a blast of breath, a strong breeze. Here, here's, what, here's how I'm calling it for this series, fresh air. That's what the Holy Spirit is, fresh air. How many of you like some fresh air? Come on. I had a son who had three basketball games yesterday, a tournament, and I was driving multiple boys from one basketball game to another in the back seat. Come on, somebody, fresh air. Said, Dad, we want to roll up the windows. We want to do air conditioning. No, no, no. I can't be doing that here. I need some fresh air. You know? It's nothing like fresh air, is there? In fact, that's my prayer. People would walk into the chapel. It wouldn't be about the song or, or the preaching. I, I wish I'd just say something like, I don't know how to describe this thing in here, except that out there the air seems real stale. But in here, it's kind of like, it's kind, of like a, it's kind of like a breath of fresh, that there'd be such a sense of the Holy Spirit, the wind of God, the refreshing grace of God sweeping across the people of God. That we'd, Anybody signing up for some fresh air, right? Fresh air. It's the breath of God that takes strength and, and, and breathes on the weary, that, that energizes the broken, that brings dead things back to life. Fresh air. Fresh, anybody need some fresh air? Fresh air. 
In fact, you know, right around the equator, there's this area just north and south of the equator called the doldrums. And the doldrums is where the, the trade winds of the northern hemisphere and the trade winds of the southern hemisphere meet. And they actually cancel each other out there. There's a almost an eerie calm over that part of the ocean. In fact, before mechanical uh, sailing, sailors would actually get caught in the doldrums with no wind. And they'd actually sometimes die there. No wind. No wind to pull their sail. So we use that same phrase, the doldrums. You heard it, right? To describe somebody in a funk, discouraged. I'm in the doldrums. And you know, here's the temptation when you're in the doldrums to take out your paddle and to say, I got to get somewhere, so I'm just going to paddle, you know. But how many know the ocean's too big to paddle? <laughs> and I just had this picture in my mind as I was praying over us, chapel, as I was praying over your families. So I was just, as your pastor, just thinking of you, praying for you this week. I had this picture of some of you just with a paddle in the middle of the ocean, just thinking, if I just paddle harder and I just try and I just sweat more then I'll get where I need to go and I felt like the Lord wanted to say to you it's not not by might and it's not by power it's by my spirit says the Lord and I had this question if, what if instead of using the paddle we laid down the paddle and we said, all right, God, I'm, I'm in a, I need you. I need fresh air. So instead of picking up a paddle, I'm just going to set a sail up. <laughs> How many know when you set a sail up, you're dependent on wind? <laughs> it's a sign of dependence that I can't fix myself. But it's, I wonder if this month as a church, we could just lift up our sail. And say, God, we are, here's a group of people right in Richmond, Virginia. That we don't think we can paddle our way out of this. We can't paddle our way forward. So we're just going to set up our sail because your word promised us. Your word promised us, God. That it was not by might, nor by power, but by your spirit. And so all we're going to do is put up the sail. And we're just going to ask you, God. What if you'd send your pneuma? What if you'd send us one blast of breath, one strong breeze, one current of air? I was reminded of this about two weeks ago. In the middle of the night, I was sleeping very soundly and Katie kind of pushed me awake. And I said, why are you putting me awake? And she said, your nose is pointed right at me. And you're breathing right on my forehead and you're on my side. What a blessing for her. And <laughs> hey, I just had this sense that heaven wanted to breathe on earth. And what if we put up ourselves and say, God, in our brokenness and in our, it's not by our might. Not, you know what? Here's what it depends on. A humble heart that says we can't but you can. We don't, but you are. We aren't, but you are. I can't, 
but he can. It's a group of people who the Bible says God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he might exalt you in due time. The Bible actually says this, and then I'm done. The Bible says this, that he's the lifter of our head. And it's a picture of going in the ancient world when, when a subject would go into the presence of royalty. You know, you didn't just walk into a king and just act out. You know, they could kill you in the ancient world. So one of the things you did when you came into the, to a king is you'd lay low, you'd kneel low. And the king could reach down with his scepter and he could put that scepter right under the chin of the subject whose head is low and lift it up. And it was a way of saying, stand, arise, I'll receive you. And the Bible literally says that God is a God who lifts our head. But you know what it requires? The humility to lay down our head and to say, God, this weekend, we don't have it. We are in need of you. I wanna make this month a declaration of dependence from the chapel. We need God. We need God. You say, Pastor, this is my second time here. This seems pretty drastic. Listen, I'm drastic about this. To do what God's called us to do. We don't have enough. I don't have enough. You don't have enough. We're in need of another to pour out fresh wind and fresh fire, fresh oil. I, I gotta be, the lantern, the wick, can only shine as bright as I'm connected to the oil. And this month, I don't know about you, I'm in a season of life where I need God's strength. I need God's power. I need God to fill me up again. Am I in the right room this weekend? Do we need the strength of God, come on. Which one? Would you bow your heads all over this room? Would you bow your heads in Scott's edition? I'm gonna pray in just a second. Our team will lead us in one half a song before we're done. But you're here this week and you say, Pastor, I need fresh wind. I won't ask why, I won't ask how, I won't even ask long. Just all over this room, if that's you, you say, Pastor, I need fresh wind. Come on, hands up as a sign to God all over the room. God, we need fresh wind. Blow on us again, your precious Holy Spirit. So God, we've lifted our hands because we need you. So fill us by your grace and in your spirit. For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm going to turn the service over to Pastor Jason and the team in Scott's edition. Love you guys. Have an amazing rest of the service.